Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, everyone. My name's Chesney, and I'm the family ministry pastor here at SCC, and it is so good to see you today. You could have stayed in bed and slept with the rain, but you chose to come to church, and we are so glad, and you're going to be blessed for that. We are beginning our first uh, week of our two-part series called Come and See, and it, you're going to enjoy this as we're leading up to Easter. Well, I was 10 years old, and I was playing at my aunt and uncle's house with a few of my cousins. And uh, there was about three or four of them, and as we were playing, I, something came to mind. I had been at Vacation Bible School that summer, and they had encouraged us to tell our friends, to tell our family about Jesus if they didn't know him, or maybe if they didn't go to church. And so it dawned on me that all these kids are younger than me, and they have to listen to me. So I had a captive audience. And so I asked them, I kind of bossed them, I guess, uh, to come. We were out in the country, and I brought them around behind this shed, and there was this wet, old well there with a cement lid. Does anybody ever know what I'm talking about, a covered well? Okay, you've seen those. And so I sat all those kids down on that covered well, and I began to tell them about heaven and, and hell, and that was probably not a good idea to sit them on that well. It's probably not that safe. But nevertheless, I sat them there and began to tell them about heaven. And then I got to hell, and I began to tell about it in a very dramatic way, as a 10-year-old could, and about how bad it was and how they did not want to go there. And they were, their eyes were this big, and probably the littlest one was scared and probably to tears. Not recommended, by the way. And so as I began to ask them, did they want to go to hell? Of course they said no. And I said, well, you can invite Jesus into your heart. And you don't have to go there. Now, who wants to invite Jesus into their heart? And of course, all of them. You know, me, I do. I said, okay, so I'm going to ask you to say this prayer after me. So when I say it, you repeat it. And they were just kind of mumbling. They were afraid. And I, I said in my drill sergeant tone, I can't hear you. Poor kids. They were just being tortured. And so they repeated louder. And that day, three or four of my cousins came to know Jesus strictly out of fear. That's all it was. I wouldn't suggest that or advise that at all. Of course, you probably know that people praying prayers out of fear guilt, it doesn't stick at all, okay? But as we're leading up to Easter, I got to thinking, we got to thinking about how can we help you invite your friends in the right way? So let me take a little poll here today. How many of you would say, I came to church or I came to know Christ simply because someone invited me? Would you say that? Okay, a lot of us. Simply because an invitation came our way, we came to church or we began to get involved in church. And so I think that says a lot as to what the proper way is to invite people to church. That just a simple invitation. I think many of us would say, because of that, we're grateful. Anybody mad because somebody invited you to church? Okay, we're, we're all good. If you're, if you're 15 and under, you can't answer that, okay? You're not allowed to. 
So what's the proper way to invite people to come to church? When Jesus was on the earth, it was very simple for him. It was a very simple method. He didn't try to explain away what people would come to be to see or, or what they would do. He just invited them, come see. Follow me. And as one by one people began to follow Jesus, they began to invite others. Not a big explanation, not a long explanation. Just invite them to come experience someone. And that being Jesus. Come and see. There's some principles that I think when we're trying to help other people come and experience Jesus that we can remember. And really, to be honest, about the year 2000, Pastor Jeff had a rebirth of a vision in his heart about what church should be and what he felt like God was telling him. And that was that Stockbridge Community Church would be a place that people that it didn't go to church could feel comfortable and enjoy coming to church. That every message that they heard on Sunday would be relevant and they could go and use it on Monday. And so we've been trying and we try every week to make this place so relevant so that you'll want to invite your friends and it'll be a comfortable environment where you can do that. And so I think there's some things we have to remember first. And so the first one I would say is this, that our actions impact what others believe. Our actions impact what others believe. What we do affects the, what, the way that people see God. And so there's a little bit of pressure on us as followers of Christ to point them in the, in the right way. Look at what Matthew 5 and 16 says. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your what? And glorify your who? So our job is to have these good deeds happening in our life and other, and, and, and so that we may in turn point them to Jesus, that our life may be an arrow that points to Him. Because here's the thing that I've found. If people don't like what they see in us, they're not going to want to come see with us. Now, does that mean that we don't make mistakes? That, does that mean that we have to be perfect in order to invite someone to church? Absolutely not. I would not be in that category. I don't think any of us would be. But the fact of the matter is that there has to be times that we show a good example, at, actually at all times, that we are following what Jesus would have us to do according to His Word. Because actions speak louder than what? And a living example is much better than a long explanation. To put it in elementary terms, show and tell is better than tell and tell. Would you agree? It is better for us to show Him with our life rather than try to explain Him Away. So as we're trying to be a good example, as we're trying to invite others to come and know Him, we have to figure out what it is that we say, what is it that we do, and it can be quite awkward at times. For me too, I work here at this church full time. There are only Christians that work here, we think for the most part. And so it's very awkward to try to find people that I, work, I don't work around, that I don't live near, or whatever, and invite them to come and experience what I know to be the best thing that's ever happened to me. It just turns awkward after a while. So who should we invite? And when should we invite them? And I think John chapter 4 
is a great place to start and draw from this topic. Jesus and his disciples have been traveling an awful lot. They had been going from town to town, back and forth. And so we're going to pick up the story in verse number three. And so it begins here. So he left Jesus, Judea, and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now I want to stop right there. Jesus, because he is the Son of God, is awesome and knows everything and is like God, but he was also human, and so he found himself tired. He found himself needing rest, and so he finds this well that he would sit at and he would rest while his disciples went into town to buy food for lunch. Well, no one should be there. It was the middle of the day. It was hot, and no one came to the well in the middle of the day to get water. They either came in the morning or they came in the evening. And so we find Jesus here, and you may be able to identify with that. You may find yourself tired today. You may find that, you know, all week you have dealt with these very, uh, you know, customers pulling at you, these higher energy customers, these kids, maybe your teacher, you've put up with them at school all week. They're on top of the desk going crazy. Maybe you have endured a middle school kid's birthday party this weekend. I don't know. I don't know what you've been through. But maybe you're looking for some of that peace, for some of that rest that Jesus was looking for that day. Let's pick it up in verse number 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? For again, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So just when you get to Starbucks and you're looking to have that 30 minutes of peace, someone shows up. Now, let me just say, I don't think this is what this lady had in mind either. She was obviously showing up at the well in the middle of the day, hoping no one would be there. She was obviously trying to avoid people. And here is Jesus. Also, what was working against them was that Jesus was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. And again, Jews and Samaritans did not associate. The Jews felt that Samaritans were beneath them. And it was bad at, uh, for the reputation if they were to talk to Samaritans. In fact, Jews would go all the way around Samaria to not have to walk through Samaria if to get from one destination to the other, to try to avoid them. And Jews would never ask Samaritans for anything to eat or drink. And here's Jesus asking her for water. She must have been just as shocked as anyone could ever be. Let's pick it up in verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come, have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus is trying to talk to her about eternal life. He's trying to talk to her about living water that she could receive, but she's not tracking with him at all. In fact, she's not understanding this conversation. And so he changes his approach. And if you know the story, he's about to ask a question or make a statement that you would have avoided at all costs. This would not have been a statement that you have, would have brought up to a person in any way. And this is what he said, verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Uh-oh. She knows now that he knows that she doesn't have a very good reputation. This is the kind of question you would kick your kids underneath the table if they were to bring up anything in front of a guest that would embarrass you. Maybe you've done that before. And so Jesus goes there. And I believe that this brings up a great point to where we can stop and say, this is the second thing we need to remember when inviting people to church, and that is this. Look for cues when inviting people to church. Look for cues, C-U-E-S, when inviting people to church. Jesus saw a cue. He saw the perfect time. This was, again, in the middle of the day, was his first cue. She was trying to avoid people. She was trying not to be around anyone because maybe the ladies that came in the morning or in the evening talked about her. Maybe they gossiped about her. Maybe they pointed fingers at her. Maybe they laughed at her. And so she was trying to avoid them. That was his first cue. The second was, again, that she had had all these failed relationships. And so what was going on in her life that she needed to meet the Savior? And he knew that. We have to understand that we can know the cues by knowing the who. And we can know the who's by knowing their cues. Now, I know that sounds like a cat in the hat statement, and it probably is because I have a two-year-old almost, and we watch a lot of cat in the hat. But you can know the who's by looking at their cues. So what are the cues? What's the first one? Well, the first cue I think that we can find and look for is people under tension. People under tension. I think you would agree with me today that God uses all types of emotional pain to get people's attention. He'll use divorce. He'll use financial issues. He'll use teen issues, marriage issues, all types of things to get our attention. And people may ask you, well, what can God do for my job loss? And you know what the answer is? I don't know. But just come and see. You know, people are not looking for you to be able to explain everything away. We can't. They're not looking for you to be the Savior of the world. They just need to know the Savior that we serve. And so I would encourage you today to not try to have all the answers, to not try to pretend that you're perfect today. But just invite them to come 
and see. So I'd ask you, who's, in, who's under tension today around you? Who's at work? Who's in your home? Who's in your neighborhood? That they're under tension. There's things, there's problems, there's issues going on in their life. I would say that's your first cue. The second cue that I think we should look for is people in transition. People in transition. This is the firsts of life. Okay, this is getting married. This is having babies and and getting new jobs, moving into the neighborhood uh, for the first time. All these firsts, things people aren't prepared for. I was single for most of my 20s after college before I got married. I'm married to Danny. He's the guy that stood right here in the middle, a really hot guy, and sang for you guys earlier. And uh, Kevin, I think you're hot too, but I think you stood on this side, right? Okay, just making sure. I embarrassed Kevin. But Danny stood right here, and I have to tell you, I wasn't prepared for marriage at all. You know, I thought I was. I had all the knowledge, I thought. You know, some of the knowledge I'd watched um, couples that I was close to and tried to learn from them what to do, what not to do. Would you agree with me if you're married today that no one can prepare you for marriage until you just do the marriage thing, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared to share my closet with Danny. He takes up three quarters of it, no lie. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for a person that wakes up talking and singing. I don't talk till after 10 o'clock. And he wasn't prepared for me. He was always like, why are you so mean? I'm not awake. Leave me alone. You know, I don't like to talk in the morning. I don't like that. I wasn't prepared. I was like, good Lord, what did I do? But what, what I was really blessed with was people, like especially in our connect group, they were married and I could look at them and we could laugh and I could learn. I'd be like, okay, it's not just me. It's not just him. You know, we're all in this together. And so that was very helpful. So look for people that are in transition. They're open. They feel unstable. They don't feel like they have their grasp on what's going on in their life. And can I tell you that people that, that feel unstable, it's, it's a passage for them to be open to spiritual stability. Like they will be so open for the spiritual things, to something to be stable in their life when their life is topsy-turvy. And some of them may tell you, but my life is so stressful right now. I just got married or just had this baby or this. How can I add on church to that? And you just say, come and see. I was where you are. I have people in my life that give me support. I couldn't do it without some of them. Come and see. I think the third cue is this. It's kind of obvious, but you may have to ask. And it's simply people not in church. People not in church. Maybe they aren't involved in church. They're not connected to church. And again, this church has them in mind, has you in mind, to be a relevant place that people can come and again, use the message they hear on Sunday on Monday. And and I guess, I think if we think about it, there's a lot of things that compete with Sunday. Being in the bed today is a competition for being at church on Sunday, right? This is a perfect day to sleep in. 
It's raining 100% chance of rain all day. You guys are the champions. You're here today. And you could stay home and sleep and no one would blame you, but you're here. And I think if we look back at our life, we could say there's a time when I could not imagine that every week making it a, a date on my calendar every week to be at the same place at the same time and it not be work. I mean, there's a lot of things competing. But I think we could also look back and go, you know what? I can't imagine my life without it. When I don't make it to church, oh, my, my week is just seems like a mess sometimes. And so it becomes very important. And so I think people would have the same objections maybe with you about coming to church. But you could just say, come and see. This is what happened to me. So maybe you're here today and you say, wow, I kind of picked the wrong Sunday to come because uh, I'm not really following Jesus yet. And so I'm not ready to ask other people to come to know him. Well, you're here on the perfect Sunday. Because whoever invited you wanted you to experience the person that they know that could change, that can and will change your life forever if you give them the opportunity. Inside your program, there's a verse, or a, a prayer rather. It's the prayer to become a follower of Christ. And if you pray this prayer at any point, at any point of the service, and you mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ becomes Lord of your life. And He saves you of your sins. And you become on the path to being blessed and to experiencing what we've all experienced, and that is life change and peace. And I'd ask you just at some point that you turn your connection card over and that you would just check that, that first box that says, today I'm choosing to become a, a Christ follower. Would you do that today? Just so we can pray for you. Not going to ask you to come forward. Not going to ask you to raise your hand. Just going to send you some things in the mail that can help you along in, in your journey. We just want to pray for you. So you may say, Okay, Chesney, I, I see all the cues. What is it that I need to invite them for or to? And I'm so glad you asked. On the front of your program, we have provided you with a, an invite card to one of our four Easter services in two weeks. And so on your outline today, I want you to write Easter services April 3rd or 5th. That is the two dates I want you to put in your mind and in your heart. And take this card, invite someone to one of our four services and make sure that they get an opportunity to come to know the Jesus that you know. Well, we pick up our story again. And by this time, Jesus is talking to the woman about worship. And she brings up a great point, and she says, Jews and Samaritans worship very differently. And Jesus tells her that God is... Is only looking for people who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that if she does that, anyone can come and can worship God. And she says, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when He comes, I know He'll be able to explain all these things to us. And Jesus looks at her, and He says, I am He. I am the Messiah that you've been looking for. And a light goes off. And an aha moment. Something helps her to track with Jesus now. She gets it. She understands. She's had an encounter with the person that can change her life forever. And we pick up this exciting part in verse number 28. This was her reaction. 
Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She leaves so quickly that she leaves her water jar there. She runs to the town and she says, Come see a man. I met a guy. And they're like, Yeah, we've heard that before, actually five times. Come meet this man who told me everything about myself. Could he be the Messiah? And this is why it's so important to this lady and to us, because number three, no one can argue with your story. No one can argue with what Christ has done for you. They may be be able to argue with you about biblical theology. They may be able to debate with you about the dinosaurs or if Jonah and the whale or Noah's Ark even existed. But no one can argue your experience. You may not have all the explanations, but no one can argue with the Jesus that's changed your life. Verse 39 Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. An experience with Jesus changes everything. We have a wonderful family that attends Stockbridge Community Church, the Howard family. Kaylee, who's sitting right over here, began coming to SEC because of an invitation from her cousin Hannah and her Aunt Cindy. Hannah began, began to ask Kaylee, come and see. Come to our youth group on Sunday nights. And she did. And she loved it. She met Garrett, and that made coming to church even more fun because now they're boyfriend and girlfriend, and they're so cute. And we're so glad that they're here. Kaylee began to talk to her mom and dad about coming to church. Miss Kim, her mom, works at Woodland Elementary, and she would see our Good News Club that takes place there on Thursdays. She would see the kids come to Good News Club and some of them would even come to Stockbridge Community. And she noticed that. So with much more prodding of Kaylee, she asked her to come on Easter and they came on Easter. And Kim, Kaylee's mom, goes on to say this, SEC has meant so much to me and my family because for the first time, all of us are excited to go to church on Sundays and I don't have to drag anyone out of bed. The church was different from any church we'd ever been to with the lights and the music. The message held our attention and made us love it. We have volunteered in the parking lot, greeting team, and cafe, and it has allowed us to meet many new people. It means so much to me that when the kids see me on Monday morning at school, they get excited to say that they saw me at church and it allows their friends to ask me, where do I go to church? When my husband lost his job, he was speaking to a friend that he knew, which led to a job interview a job that he loves, all because he came to Stockbridge Community Church. We have grown so much closer 
as a family and made so many friends. If we miss a Sunday, it seems like the week drags by until the following Sunday. My daughter has made so many great friends, and it's wonderful to see her grow. We love our church family. I can't believe that it took so long for us to give it a try. Hannah said, Kaylee, come and see. And Kaylee said, Mom and Dad, come and see. And Kim and Tracy are here today because their daughter said, I can't explain it. Just come experience it. And they've been here ever since. And Tracy found a job because he met someone here that made a connection. Come and see. I pray today that someone has come to mind. Maybe they're in transition. Maybe they're under tension. Maybe they just don't attend church anywhere. They're not involved. I'd ask you along with me, would you please turn over your connection card once more and check that box that says, I will look for cues in people's lives when inviting them to church. And then maybe you'll go a step further and in that blank even write their name, a first name, an initial, whatever you feel comfortable doing so that we can pray for them this week. As God's put them in your heart, that we'll pray that He opens up their heart and makes them receptive. Because it's what Jesus has asked us to do. In Mark 16 and 15, it's our memory verse for the week. Jesus said to His followers, Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. You received a stone when you came in this morning. and I know you've been wondering what that was about. You know the Easter story that a stone was placed in front of the tomb after Jesus died for us on the cross. They put him there. They rolled a stone in front to keep other people out. But we understand that no stone could hold Jesus back. The whole plan for him was to come and save us from our sins, to overcome the power of death in the grave. There are people in your life could be represented by this stone, maybe the name that you wrote down. There are things in their lives, tensions, transitions, just not made the right connection, holding them back. And I'd ask you along with me today, you take this stone again that represents the person or the people in your life that need to have an invite to come to Easter service. And that when this song begins and after I pray that you would come along with me and we're going to place our stones on this altar as the first service is already done. And we're going to leave them here as a symbol of saying, God, we give these people to you and we ask that you make a way for us to invite them. I know it can be awkward. I know it can be strange. I'm going to ask God to give you faith and give you courage to be able to do that. Would you stand with me today? your stone in your hand let's pray Jesus thank you first of all for for loving us enough to come to die for us thank you for Easter and what it means that it's freedom the power to overcome because your power resides within us if we're followers And Jesus, today we hold these stones in our hands and they represent the people in our lives that we love, the acquaintances that we know of, that they need an experience with you. They need to know you. And so today we're going to lay these stones on this altar. We're going to ask you to give us an opportunity to ask them to come. Help us to be aware of the cues in their life. 
And Jesus, we thank you that you never condemn us, but that you always give us power to live above. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. There's going to be prayer partners to each side. If you would like prayer for anything today, but we, would you join me today as the song begins to come and let's place our stone here and pray for those that we want to invite. God bless you. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.